teaching, we're going to jump into the fivefold. We're going to talk about the apostle. This is important for the foundation of worldview from here forward. This is where we're going. As much as you can, I would ask you to stay and hear the whole teaching because it, it, you kind of miss it if you're listening on the, on the computer. Does everybody have some notes? Does anybody need a pen? I forgot to get pens out too. Anybody need a pen? Everybody got at least a pen. Okay. Okay, so we're going to continue to go through this fivefold teaching. It's called the Not So Secret Secret. Um, fivefold, and we're going to be unpacking the apostle today. Now, before I get into that, I have a scripture. I don't, I'm not sure if it's in your notes. But in Jeremiah 6.16, this has been something I've been hearing the Lord tell me. I know some of the people on our elder team have been talking about this, particularly I can think of Susie. Um, because this whole thing with the feasts, it's not just about the feast. It's, it, it is also about structure within the body of Christ. And Jeremiah 6.16 says, Go stand at the crossroads and look around. Ask for directions to the old road, to the true, tried and true road, then take it. That scripture is talking about the ancient paths. And I feel like that's what God is doing to us. He's taking us back to the beginning of the New Testament. He put it on our heart about the book of Acts. And it's a, it, it's a whole package of things. That's why I know that God is sharing with us. Even though I know in this church we have done the Seder meal for years. For years we've done it. Um, I was gone for five and a half years. We were doing it for years before that. But there's something new that God is trying to get our attention about. It's more than just acknowledging it. We're going to go back to the ancient past. I don't know what all that means, but the Lord does. One of those things is how the structure of the church was put together. Here's something I said last week that I want to say again that is very important to me. It is if we want God to cohabitate with us, and we think that a man-made structure is going to hold his glory, we are incorrect. Because God cares about structure. He was very particular when he talked about building the temple. He, he gave ex explicit details on how to make that thing look the way he wanted it to. So don't think that the structure of how churches run is not important to him. We've man-made this, we've put a man up in the front or a woman, and we've made them the head of all things, and every church that you go to, I have not seen one that is not put together like that, where you walk in, you have a pastor, they are also worship, and then we have some announcements to do teaching just like we're doing right now. I don't know of a, of a way to do it uh, that I've seen it done differently than that. I do know of a church that has kind of spread out authority, but I don't think that's even, I think that's a start. But there's something that we have been missing, and we think that God is going to come and cohabitate with us when we're not doing it his way. So we're going to go back to the ancient paths. We're asking him to show us how to do that. I am sure we're going to do it wrong a little bit. I'm sure we're going to bump around. But our heart is to say, Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us back to the original plan that you had before man got his fingers into it. And we do see that, and that we talked about Ephesians last week, that Ephesians kind of becomes this <clears throat> a, a constitutional document in a, in, in, a, in a way, because it is one of the books of the Bible that's very general, that Paul just wrote to kind of give us direction. So here's what I want to do. We've talked about Ephesians. If you need more, if you haven't heard those teachings, you can get them online at our website. 
But I'm going to, I see you guys, you guys should have this verse in your notes. And we're going to read this out of the message. I like to kind of look at scriptures a little differently from different, um, every once in a while I look at a different version because it kind of gives you a new way to look at it. So I know this is up here on the screen too. I'm going to read this through. But as I'm reading it, I want you guys to start thinking, what, what in this passage gets you excited? What really jazzes you and you think, wow. Wow, I want to see that happen. Okay, so we're going to read it, and I would like you as I'm reading it, we're going to take our time and read it. I just want you to underline a couple of those phrases that really stand out to you that make you think, man, could this be true? Could this really be true? Okay, this is Ephesians 4 through the message. Underline the things that stand out to you. Here's what Paul says. I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run. On the road, God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. But that doesn't mean you should all look and speak and act the same. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of you is given his own gift. You guys following me? Okay. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor teacher to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work until we're all moving, moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient, graceful in response to God's son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without fully alive like Christ. No prolonged infancy among us, please. We'll not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are an easy mark for imposters. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth, and to tell it in love, like Christ in everything. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. What a beautiful, poetic way to read Ephesians 4. I'd like to hear a couple people just kind of tell me what stood out to you. Tell me what got you jazzed, what, what you thought, yes, I can get excited about that. What stood out to you? Mm-hmm, Rita? Yeah. Awesome. Somebody else's perspective. We're all different. What stood out to you? Yeah, Mary. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, Sally? Grow up. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Awesome. Deb, did you have your hand raised? What stood out to you?
Awesome. Jake Shutt, anything stand out to you? I like you. <laughs> That's one of the things I would like. Yeah, Jody. Yeah, that's awesome. Anybody else? This is, see, we all have a different, you see this whole scripture and we're all picking out different things. Kind of like what he wants us to do here, to be the body of Christ, each with our own flavor, each with the thing that really highlights to us. If I'm the only one ever that's speaking to you and I'm like Jake and I'm always telling you, run, let's run, let's run, let's run, because that's what I will do. We're going to miss all these other things that you guys are saying. This is just another example of why we need the body. Steve, what stood out to you? Yeah, yeah. Yes. When we're unified, yeah. Yeah, Lorena. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We're going there. Mary? Yeah. Justin? Hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, Jennifer, Mary. <laughs> hey, Jen. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. In a worthy manner. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Josh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. That will grow. Oh, say it again. You got it. he's a he's a soft talker. So this really gets me excited. This, when, I, when you stop, I mean, how many times we have read this? If you've been a Christian for a long time and have at least been one that knows how to, that, that chooses to read your Bible through once a year, you've probably come across Ephesians multiple times. You know, and this is what we've done with the Word. We just read it, and sometimes we forget to sit and, and meditate on it and consider and look at what it is that he's saying that we can do. This is, this is the, the passage that we've been talking about. I want you guys to take this and meditate on it and just be asking the Lord to give us the grace to figure out how to do this. I mean, he's put it here before us, but he wants the Holy Spirit to guide us. And one of, some of the things that we've highlighted so far in this series is, I think this is in your notes, that Ephesians was written to the church. It's not a leadership group. It wasn't just to leaders. It was to the full body of Christ that that letter was written from Paul. 
Um, number two, that he is asking us to walk in true unity with each other. I'm going to go into that a little bit more in a couple weeks about true unity. Um, there's something that we call agree to disagree. That's not unity. That's not unity. We're going to talk about that in a, in a couple weeks. It's a very Christian way to say, I still disagree with you and I'm going to walk away. It's not true unity. We're going to talk about that. Number three, that he has given us gifts to each one of us. Remember, not things that we do. Okay? That's the difference. We have three gift lists in the Bible. One in Corinthians. That's what we do. It's a manifestation. One in Romans. That's what we do. It's a manifestation. Ephesians is not that kind of gift list. It's by definition. It's not something that we do. It's who we are. It's like a last name. The point of these gifts, number four, are for each of us to use them to cause us in our differences to grow not apart but together. And number five, to the fullness of maturity being God's living, moving body, advancing his kingdom through genuine, God's, genuinely, genuine godly love. And that's what really gets me excited when I think about this, is I think about walking again the way Jesus walked on the earth. Literally, if we grow up, each one of us joining together the way we should, it says we'll grow up into the head, and that would almost as if be, Jesus would be walking on the earth again. Like, we wonder when he said greater gifts that we would do than, than he did. What if the body of Christ all grew up and that we were in the head and the head was telling us, okay, breathe, okay, walk, okay, speak. What if we were all doing that? Of course, that is a greater gift because we're multiple people that can do that, multiple church bodies. So I, it gets me excited to think I can really, if we could do this, we will see what it would have looked like to have Jesus walking on the earth again through us, through us. Now, one of the things that we also kind of discussed, somebody asked this question last week about all these gifts being in us, and are there just one, or that we to all move in all of these, and I just want to remind everybody that Jesus, he was all five, correct? We would see that he was an apostle, he was an evangelist, he was a shepherd, he was a teacher, he was all five of these gifts, and we're supposed to be like him, right? So we should be growing more and more in each one of these so even though you're going to probably find one or two that are working in you um, easily, that doesn't mean that we just stop there. We don't excuse ourselves from growing and being able to exercise the other four. We will all have a base calling. I call it the knee jerk. Like when I'm in a room and I'm reading a scripture like Ephesians 4, the first thing I see is what Jake saw. Run. We're going to Run. That's my knee jerk. It doesn't mean that that's all I should be able to do because as I grow in the Lord, I should be able to have more of Jesus functioning in me so that I can work on all those. But my knee jerk, my natural, will be an apostle. That's my natural, at whatever maturity level it is, I'm not calling myself an apostle. I'm saying I have an apostolic um, gifting that is in me that is growing, hopefully, and maturing. So here's what I want to say, and this is a fill-in for you. I want to remind you guys of this as we begin, because here's our natural tendency in the West. It's all about me. You might not say it. You might actually act like it's not about you, but when it comes down to it, it's all about you. When it's really quiet, you might not be verbal about it, but we're just, we're flesh. We're flesh. We're bent that way. So here's what I want to make sure that we understand. Here's a fill-in for you. We are not all called to be teachers, but we are all called to share what we know from Scripture. So even if you're not a teacher, you still have a requirement to share what you know. We are not all evangelists. 
but we are all called to share the good news to our world. Evangelist is my least on my, when I look at all of the giftings, that's my least, but doesn't give me an excuse that I don't have to do it. Well, somebody else is better in it. Well, I'm going to let Paul do it because he's really good at drawing people in. Because we have our evangelists, now I don't have to do it. Nope. Nope, doesn't work that way. We are not all shepherds, but we are all called to care. We are not all prophets, but we are all called to listen to God. And we are not all apostles, but we are all called to live a sent life. Those are your fill-ins. If we only do things that reflect our strength, then we're truly missing the point. Paul says in verse 13 that that as we move into these five-fold giftings in unity, that we will arrive at a threshold of maturity, meaning that we should be able to, as a mature person, move in and out with some ease on all five of these. Mary, did you miss something? Is it the, the prophet to listen to God? Okay, listen to God. Okay, yeah, and we have some of those up there, and that's the apostle sent life. Okay, so we should be able to operate and move with some ease as we mature into all five of these. If we've been walking with the Lord a long time, we should be able to um, function at some level. But we're still going to have that natural base calling that seems to flow out of us effortlessly. Now, Deb, you have an image up there? Do you have an image before that scripture that you got? Oh, before that. But you're going, yeah, there you go. Wait, wait. Nope, you're going the other way. Keep going backwards. You're doing good. You're doing good. Keep going. You're going. If you can ride it that fast. Yeah, you're going. I think you're really going the wrong way now. One more. One more. There! Bingo! Woo! Okay. So this is a, what I'm talking about, where you'll have your main gifting. Now, this guy, Alan, this is his typology, I guess you would say, or profile. He's mainly an apostle. And then his next one is teacher, which is actually, this is kind of my profile too. And then a prophet, evangelist, shepherd are his weak. But they're all connected. You all, we all should be able to move in all these. It doesn't, we don't have excuses to not be like Jesus, right? And Jesus has all five of them. But we will have, and we'll, and we'll have seasons in our life where we have to kind of do a little, be a little bit more evangelistic. But then it'll go back and we'll be more apostolic. Because there's just going to be a knee-jerk reaction we're not going to highly, be highly functional in all five. Because if we did, then we wouldn't need the body, right? <laughs> I mean, we, it's this weird dance. We should have them all, but we're not, we're not going to actually be totally amazing at all of them or we wouldn't need each other. There's a lot of people. I know a, couple, I know a guy that is extremely prophetic, but because he's so prophetic and he can hear the Lord, he really has gotten himself so off base because he's not in the body anymore. He thinks he can hear God. So then he thinks that that's all he needs and why I don't, I don't need to go into church. Just me and God. Actually, I know a couple people that say that phrase. It's just me and God. That's not how the Bible works. That's not how community works. That's not how the body... There's too many, there's too many examples of the body of Christ, of us being a body in the scripture to make that a true statement. 
And we see this in multiple places in the Bible. Um, this one is in your notes, Ephesians 4, 15 through 16. It's actually in 16. It says, by what every joint supplies, right? You guys got that note? In Corinthians, it says, um, but now indeed there are many members, yet one body. Romans, so we being many are one body and individual members of one another. It's all over the word of God. We need each other. To think that we don't is going to put us in a place where we're going to get off base. Okay, so this is, God is opening up a fresh revelation. It's not new. This isn't new. We're not jumping on a bandwagon. This is ancient paths, like I said in the beginning. We're going back to the beginning of the New Testament church. And he's opening up some understanding to us about his model of church and how to grow the church. And in the church, we've mostly been leaning on two, to our, two of the five of these. Most churches are led by shepherds or teachers. And the apostle and the prophet and the evangelist have been kind of set aside. But the thing is, is that we don't have another model to show us how to do this right now, even though we see it in scripture. But we don't want, I don't want you guys to just learn this and be able to repeat it back to me. Because that's not really doing it. That's just learning it. And there is this great story that Deb told me about this guy, Torben, that was telling a story about his children. And he said one day he told his children, go clean your room, we have company coming over. And so the kids ran off to go clean their room, and 30 minutes later, he came back. The kid came back to him and said, okay, Dad, you know, he goes, did you clean your room? And he, he, they said, no, but we memorized how to clean our room. He's like, no, 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 I didn't tell you to memorize how to clean your room. Oh, well, then we, did, we went and looked up all the words that you told us, clean your room, and we looked them up in Hebrew, and we looked them up, and we figured out what it was, and we can say it this way and that way. No, 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 that's not what I said. I told you to clean your room. Well, we went and wrote 10 ways that, that your, the room can be clean. He's like, I told you to clean the room. How many of us are doing what the Word of God says? Are we just memorizing it? Are you just listening to me right now and thinking, I'm going to know this and I'm going to put this in my pocket? We can't put stuff in our pocket. we got to do it. So how are we going to do this? I really have some idea, but I'm not really sure how, but I'm going to tell you a little, I'll give you a little heads up. Once we do one of these teachings, the next time we're together, which it won't work exactly this way right now because we have, we're probably going to teach on Passover next week and then do the Seder on, the, on Easter Sunday. But normally what we're going to be doing is we're going to teach about it, and then the next Sunday, all we're going to do besides worship is we're going to do it. We're going to figure out what that means. I, I still don't even know exactly what that means. So that's why I'm saying you need to be praying for us that God will show us how to do it. But we're going we're gonna to roll up our sleeves and we're going to stop just learning something, and we're going to start doing, we're going to clean our room. <laughs> okay. Drop the mic. Okay, Ephesians, let's look in Ephesians at your, um, at your notes again. Okay, we're going to look at this phrase. I'm not going to read the whole thing because we've got it so many times in our notes. We see this in verse 12. It says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body. Now, when we think of the word equip, we do have our English language kind of just means to prepare someone for a task, right? You're going to equip somebody to do a, a task. Well, in the Greek, that's a really kind of different word. And when we see the word equip, 
Um, and here, here's your fill-in. The word equipping carries the idea of creating by linking together disjointed parts. That's one of your fill-ins. Disjointed parts. It is often used in reference to the act of weaving, knitting torn nets. To the act of weaving and also knitting torn nets and even setting a broken bone. <laughs> Did you guys get all those fill-ins? Disjointed parts. Okay, do one more slide, Deb. Deb's probably trying to do it up there. There we go. Disjointed parts, knitting torn nets, setting a broken bone. So while you guys are writing that, I just want you to think about what it is that we're saying when we are equipping the body of Christ. Don't you feel like we've had that the church right now is a little disjointed, a little torn, our nets are torn, we have some broken bones, but when we put this Ephesians 4 gift list together, the point of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher, the point, the point of it is to equip the saints. We're going to fix this thing. We're going to set the bone. We're going to weave the torn net. That word equip is a very strong word of restoration. Dream with me what the church could look like for just a minute. Torn nets fixed, broken bones set, disjointed parts put back together. Okay, we're going to get into the apostle right now. And um, right before I do that, I do want to remind you guys of what that Greek philosopher Epictetus said. I mentioned it last week at the very end of the teaching. It says it's impossible for anyone to begin to learn that which he thinks he already knows. This is going to be another problem that we have at our church because many of us have been in the kingdom of God for a long time, and we have some really interesting ideas on what the word apostle means. So before I do that, we're going to play a little game because I'm a homeschool mom. No. Okay, so this is a game. I want you to just take your pen. You don't have this in your, in your book, but you can somewhere along your notes write one through nine. And this is the evolution of language. I'd like you guys to look at the number one, the word nice, and put next to it the letter you think that that word, the definition for that word. These are real definitions of words. So you have one through nine. I'm going to give you just a few minutes. If we don't get through it, the point will still be given. So I don't want to take too much time. But scan the side with the letters and see which one you think is the word nice. And then put your letter, letter next to the word nice. Which word you think means silly, the definition of silly. And put that letter next to the number two are the words silly and so forth and so on. You know how to play the game. I have boys in my family. I can't help it. And I work, through, I work with children. Anything about flatulence is funny to them. 
Okay, so if you finished or not, I'm going to give you the answers and you can at least see how far you, how well you did. These are real definitions of these words, but not current words. This is not the current definition, but these were real definitions to these words. The word nice actually used to mean D, silly, foolish, and simple. Nice. That was the, uh, I don't know if it's the original, but it was one of the definitions of the word nice at one point. Silly. Silly is B, referring to things worthy. See how our definition of things have been changed so much? <laughs> Number three, fizzle, is E, quiet flatulence. <laughs> so you don't start using that one around the room. Okay. Four, fathom, actually means to encircle with one's arm, A. Four is A. Five, clue, is G, a ball of yarn. Number six, myriad, is F, 10,000 of an item, which we should kind of know that. C, um, seven, bachelor, is I, a young knight. Eight, flirt, is H, flicking something away. And nine, hussy is a housewife. <laughs> these were, these are real definitions of words. Now, I hope that gives you an understanding of how easily, if you know a word now, you don't know what the meaning was before, and if you were put back in time, you would have a very hard time communicating, correct? Because you would be using the words improperly. Like... <laughs> Okay, so here's what I want to say, an apostle. I told you guys this once that these words, most of these words were not Christian words. We think that they're Christian words, but they were words that were, they were already familiar with, like the word ecclesia. I talked about that word ecclesia. Yes, it means um, that it's the church. It means the sent church. But that word ecclesia, remember I told you, it was actually a ruling and reigning place of government, that Jesus knew that's where all the laws were made. And so when he told them that, um, that I will build my ecclesia, he was talking about a ruling and reigning body. So we have to understand where these words come from to, under, to get the full understanding of what they mean. So here's what an apostle was. I'm just going to read you a little bit of this. This is about 384 B.C., so about 400 years before Christ, the word apostolos was a naval term that described an admiral, the fleet of ships that traveled with him, and the specialized crew who accompanied and assisted the admiral. The fleet would be sent out, that's kind of where you get the word apostle, they were sent out, to sea on a mission to locate territories where civilizations were non-existent. Once an uncivilized region was identified, the admiral, along with his specialized crew and all of their cargo and belongings, would disembark, settle down, and work as a team to establish a new community. Then they would begin the process of transforming a strange land into a replica of life as they believed it should be. Their purpose was total colonization of an uncivilized territory. That's what an apostle is. That's the, where the word apostle comes from. Somebody that goes into a place, it could be uncivilized, um, into a, a, a place where Jesus is just not known yet, or the revelation of Jesus is not at a level it should be. Because you're going to see apostles are also called back into the church, not just out of the church. So there's more about the apostle, but I just wanted you guys to see that that word was not a church word. 
It wasn't a New Testament word. It was a word they understood. It was a people group that went in somewhere and dug up and created something out of where there was nothing. The other thing I explained to you guys is that these things are not by creation. I mean, they're not by uh, redemption order, which means when you get saved. They're by creation order, which means when you're born. So there could be people out there that are not believers that are apostles. Okay, so I'm going to read to you, and I think you might have it in your list, general characteristics. These are non-Christian characteristics. These are just general human characteristics. And I want you to be thinking while I'm telling you this, what kind of job do you think an apostle would lean towards? Okay? So just be thinking. I'm going to ask you that question when we get done. So an apostolic person could be a pioneer. They pioneer something new. Or they could also be like somebody that was sent in, like a teacher that's sent into a failing school to get it all set back up again. So they'll go in, they'll pioneer new things, but they'll also fix broken things. Um, they start movements, they architect systems, they start entrepreneurial business ventures. They're highly attractional, they're charismatic, and they have this philosophy of grow and produce or get out. You know, like we're going to do something, we're going to go somewhere. If you don't, get out of the way or move on. They're missional, they're big picture, adventurous, futuristic, willing to take risks. They're decisive, strategic, and driven. I just told on myself. <laughs> so tell me, what kind of job do you think an apostolic person would naturally tend towards doing? A politician, okay. Anybody else? A CEO of a, CEO of a business? Programmer, like to put things together? Somebody else said something. A principal, yeah, that's a good, because they kind of put things together. Yes, he could be, yeah, he could be some of that, but he might be an evangelist. Because ev here's the thing you're going to see. Apostles and evangelists are really close. But one is about the mission, and the other is about people. Okay? The same heart, but it's about a big picture, and one's about individuals. So he could be depending on what he's talking about, you know, and the big, the big picture of what he's trying to say, but he's helping individuals. So it, it's both and. Susie? Yes. Anybody that started their own business, and it's, it's probably, probably because that apostolic thing that you want to grow something. Yes. That, yeah, because they're starting something new. They're going after something that you've never seen before. It's what they're trying to do. They're trying to, like, pitch that idea. Okay, awesome. So here's what I would tell you generally in the church what an apostle looks like. So I gave you just out in the natural world. But in the church, this is how you can normally see an apostle. The apostle is the probably, the, probably the one that we scratch our head about the most. We have heard of and seen evangelists and, pro, and uh, prophets, but what does an apostle look like? And my question to you is, are you a church-planting missionary? I think that's what we think an apostle is, is they're either church planters or they're missionaries, is where we've put them in our church mind in, in the West. But many people have pigeonholed, that's your, that's your fill-in, there we go, many people have pigeonholed this gift to be about missionaries or church planters. Apostle means sent one, that's in your notes. 
Now, sent into the world or the church or the marketplace, they're just sent. They're sent ones. I think what Rich and I did in Florida was more of an apostolic move than what people could understand. You think you're just moving for a job, but Richie and I knew we were going down there to break up the follow ground, to try to bring the intimacy message to a church, and we were on an assignment. It was our apostolic move to leave this church, and God called us back. Yeah. Apostolic calling. Okay, here's what an apostolic calling looks like. And this is a fill-in. It extends Christianity as a whole onto new ground. That's your fill-in. It extends Christianity as a whole onto new ground. Think, they think outside of the box. Okay, I'm just using myself as an example to give you things to grab a hold of so you understand um, practicals of it. One of the things when Rich and I, or when the kids were really young, um, some of you that have been around will remember this, we had felt like, because Tom has such a visionary. My dad was such a, a person that could see, but he didn't really know how to get it there. And he would talk about having a place. Now, this is years ago, so maybe London, if she's 21, maybe she was five. So this is a, long, this is a while ago. And he would say things like, you know, we need to make a place for people to feel comfortable that's not churchy, but still be a place where they can encounter church people but kind of on their own territory. We need to go out to them. So how do we do that? How do we go out there and love people where they're at and honor them without being religious? And so in the middle of all of that, I started having this idea. There was a couple of us that were meeting together, a couple of them that don't go to this church anymore, and we came up with this idea called the Sight and Sound Gallery. Does anybody remember the Sight and Sound Gallery? Jody, how young were you? <laughs> I look little kid. So what it was is we were not in a church building. We were on Grosso Plaza in a storefront, so you couldn't tell it was a church. And what we began to advertise and ask people to come and do, this is open mic. This is when open mic kind of just started happening. It wasn't, it, it was 15 years ago. And so what we did is we invited young people to come in once a month, and we told them they didn't, it wasn't Christian. We just asked them to keep it PG, and they could do any music they wanted. They could do uh, poetry. They could sing, and it was open mic. Art, they did art, and um, we had at one point about 80 people that would come to that event. And uh, several people um, actually became a Christian because of that event. But it was looking at it differently. It was extending Christianity beyond the normal thing that you would see. It's like taking, a, taking Christianity and putting it out on a new broad place. Nobody was doing that quite then in churches. It extends Christianity on a whole new ground. Uh, the other thing, apostolic, your next fill-in, it develops and maintains system-wide health. The apostolic anointing or calling develops and maintains system-wide health. That's about the practical things. They, there is so much about, about feedback to keep things healthy. Um, a lot of the teen events I've always done with, Kathy and uh, we did a lot, the Joneses and the Fowlers, we did this thing called Fridays in the Flame for a long time. And I always said, okay, when it's all over, we have to give people feedback forms. Because it's not because I wanted to hear what the good things that we were doing. I really wanted to hear the bad things so that we could change it and adjust it so we could maintain a healthy event not something that we loved, but the, something that was meeting a need for them. The next one is mobilizes for a broad impact. 
bringing tread to worldview was me mobilizing for a broad impact. So even though it was for us, it really was something I knew we needed, that anointing in this building and in this city. And I knew the only way we could do that is get another church involved. And that's why I went looking, and Destiny was the reason why we were able to bring Tread here. So I mobilized for a broad impact. I'm like, how can we get this group in here to do what it is they do in the spiritual realm when we're so small we can't afford to take care of them in that way? So that's kind of an apostolic move, to connect with that church to say, let's work together. Let's work together. It also pursues... That's your next fill-in, global network and relationship. Global network and relationship. That's why I love the House of Prayer so much, because it's a global move. It's outside of our four walls. It's something that's not just for churches. Local churches can be very turned inward, and they forget what's happening out there and what the Lord is doing. So New Testament examples of, of apostolic people, Peter and Paul. Peter and Paul were both apostles. Paul was a church planter and a missionary. And here's your fill-in. He was a pioneer. Paul was a pioneer. He was sent into the world, that's your next fill-in, to blaze a trail for the kingdom. He's a very typical apostle. He was a missionary, a pioneer, and he was sent to blaze a trail. He was sent into the world. Now, Peter was also an apostle, but he was a church supporter and builder. He was a miner. That's your fill-in. Peter was a miner, like one that is in a mine, M-I-N-E, a miner. He was sent into the church to show them to stay the course and to grow up into the head. So both were apostolic. Paul was sent out into the world, and he was a pioneer. And Peter was sent into the church, and he was a miner. He was mining deep, going deep to help them to grow. Okay, if an apostolic person would have a bumper sticker, this is their slogan, onward and upward, that's what their slogan would be, grow forward, but also stay in step with what God is doing. It's not just about advancing, it's about onward and upward. It's not just about creating something, it's about following God, but keep moving. They're onward and upward. From Genesis 12, when the calling of Abraham, to Revelation 20, as a calling out, and the church has been called, we've been called out and sent into, not just missionaries, but calling out from stagnant to the movement of God within the church, calling out of stagnant, calling out of a place where things are just, an apostle wants to get that thing moving. A core question an apostolic person asks when making a decision is, will this help increase our capacity for mission? Meaning, will this help increase our capacity for, the, capacity for the work of the kingdom, for the movement of God? Will this help increase that? I remember once when I was, my, my kids were young, I think actually my oldest was five, so this is almost 20 years ago, I was a part of a homeschool group, and we all had to work in those, in, in, like volunteer in that place so that we could have our children being taken care of in school there, so we all kind of helped each other. So I was working in the nursery once, and they were asking me as a new church plant from Worldview, because I guess Aiden was just, so 1999 is when Worldview started, so this was pretty close to that time, maybe it was 2000, and they were asking us, so, um, what do you guys do for your women's ministry? 
And I'm like, listen, we were in the city, and there were some people that were deep into drugs, and I was trying to figure out who's the baby daddy of this one, and who's the real, you know, who's, who's going to take care of this child with this woman that wasn't his real father. I mean, it was horrible. We had real-life things going on. There was drug addiction. There were women that were pregnant that were, that were on drugs that we were, like, had to be, we were with her when she was birthing her baby right out to, like, mess around with drugs again. Um, it was, like, baffling to me to think that, what I found out is that their women's ministry they invited me to is like, well, you could come hang out with us. We do this recipe exchange. It's so cool. And we get together and we exchange recipes. And I was just like, I am trying to save people's lives here, <laughs> you know. And it was, to me, it was that, um, are we gonna, if we're going to have a women's ministry, will this help increase our capacity for the mission, for the work of God? To do a women's recipe exchange, and that was their focus, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with exchanging recipes, but I want to give you... I want to give you that conflict that I was having with these ladies because they were just like, oh, this is, what, this is how it works. And I'm like, well, you're not in the real world because we got real people out here that need help. And this is not advancing God's kingdom. That's a fluff thing, and you guys can have fun, but I'm going to go do things, the things that God has in store for our church. Um, here's the next thing. Apostles are the catalyst. They bring spiritual insight, structure, and the plan to get somewhere. They're catalyst. The next one is apostolic people make change. Here's something really cool that we realized. Because you know the scripture that says that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Well, one of the things that the apostles do is they take the word of the Lord from the prophet and they make it happen. They put hands and feet to the word of the Lord. I've got your last page here. Thanks for your patience. They are the fathers, not like the shepherd, but like a person that helps a son go from a child to a man. We think of father, we think of fatherly love, but they're fathers, but they're fathers about the, the um, crossing over from a child to a man. You guys on the page, you got it? Okay. Did I miss something? Oh, did I miss? Oh, it's the bottom of? Page three. Okay, they're the fathers. The networkers, it's about, it's about outward motion. This is all in your notes. The planters, here's a really interesting thing, the planters. They are seeding the gospel and the genetic code of the ecclesia into unbroken soil, not just missionaries overseas. So it could be somebody that was, even here right now, what we're doing about going back and not just saying we're going to do Passover, but that we're going to dig into the, what God wants, that's seeding the genetic code into unbroken soil. We're going to like break it up, and we're going to be, we're going to be planters of what God's doing. And we're the ones that talk and do things outside of the box of comfort. How, they're asking, how are we advancing the kingdom? How are we advancing the kingdom? Not by people, which is the evangelist, but by the mission. So apostles and evangelists can be, but you can tell the difference because evangelists are about the individual and apostles are about the, peop, the grouping. Okay, they think differently. Okay, here's our last little section. So what an apostolic person does, you're gonna, every time we're going to go through these, the prophetic, the, the prophet, the teacher, the evangelist, the the teacher, shepherd, whatever ones I just 
got an order there. Um, each time I'm going to be telling you how these all connect together, okay? So I'm going to give you slogans for each one. I'm going to give you the question they ask for each one. I'm going to talk about each gifting in the church for each particular one. So if an apostle was going to be a home group leader, we called them care group leaders back when we were at Life Church in our, in our home in Orlando. So if an apostle was going to be a care group leader, a home leader, the reason that they would do that, or the reason they would stand up here and tell you that you should be a part of one, because they want to motivate to grow. That's why an apostle would be a part of a home group, would be interested in leading a home group, or trying to convince you to be a part of a home group because they know you're going to grow there. Now it's very obvious, can we think right now, why would a shepherd want to have a home group? Relationship. Okay, so that's what I'm going to do. We're going to take each one of these, and I'm going to show you the differences about their motivation. An apostle. The reason that they would be a part of prayer, the reason they would go to a prayer meeting, the reason they would tell you that you need to prayer is because they want to facilitate what he, has, what he is saying. He wants to facilitate what he's saying. They're not going to necessarily be the ones that are going to speak what he's saying, but they're going to facilitate. They're going to make that thing work. What is God saying? And then let's do it. So they're going to go to a prayer meeting because they're going to be like, okay, what's God saying? Okay, he said that we need it. Okay, let's do it. Let's go. That's why they would want to be a part of a prayer meeting because they want to get the work done that's been um, shared through prayer. The reason an apostle would want to be a leader, the reason that they would be drawn to leadership is so that they can train and multiply. That's, their, that's going to be their goal, to train and multiply as you're filling. They're always trying to figure out how to grow in spirit and number. So when they're going to be a leader, the way they lead is going to be about growing, multiplying, training. They highlight action. Let's get this thing on paper and do it. Um, they're talking about the city and beyond. Okay, it's not about when they're praying and they're talking about, and this is, this is one of the harsh things about an apostle. They don't want to pray about Aunt Susie's puppy. They want to pray about abortion coming down. They want to pray about the kingdom of God visiting the White House. They want to pray about the police department in St. Louis to be filled with righteous men. They go to prayer meetings and they start talking about Aunt Sally's puppy. They don't want to go anymore, which is wrong. Which is, they should still go because the shepherd does want to pray. And there's, there's nothing, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just telling you what an apostle feels like when they're in a prayer meeting. They don't want to, they want to, let's, let's, get, let's get going. Okay, so here's a couple questions for you guys, and then we'll finish. What do you think they bring to the table within church context? What do you think? I've told you all this stuff, and I want you to think, and I want you to talk back to me. What do you think they bring to the table within the church context? Why is it good for them to have be around? Adrian, did you ever have your hand raised? Okay, tell me. They're doers. Yep. They're very strategic, Lynette. Yes, they can, they're going to keep you moving. Anybody else? Structure? Mm -hmm. Vision and outreach, yes, especially about the kingdom of God. Anybody else? Church context. I wrote a couple of things. Um, big picture and a new way to look at an old problem. Everything you guys said was you. Yeah, Adrian. Yeah, and they might be considered visionaries because they're the ones that are going to talk about it and make it happen, but they're probably not going to be the one that came up with the idea. 
You know, they're probably not going to be, well, I shouldn't say that. They can come up with the idea, but they're probably not going to be the one that heard the word of the Lord about what to do. Like, I keep people around me that I'm asking all the time, what are you hearing God say? <laughs> I can hear God. I, I'm a, I am a Christian, so I can hear God. But when it's talking about bigger things, I want to get confirmation, and then I'm going to be like, okay, let's do it. You know, so I'm probably, do what? The catalyst to get the thing accomplished. But it doesn't mean I can't hear. It just means that probably I'm going to, there are going to be people around me that maybe spur me on with a prophetic word to be able to get it accomplished. So here are some apostolic weaknesses. They're insensitive to others. They take risks that produce too many casualties, which really, really aggravates shepherd people. So I just have to say in this church, to be totally honest and vulnerable, you've been led for a long time solely by a prophetic apostolic type of person. And the people that stuck around were people, if you were a shepherd, you put your guard up and you were, you, you've been hurt so many times that you were like, I'm staying, but I got a shell around me because I'm not going to let this hurt me anymore. Or they left. They left. Shepherds. It, it, it's, it's hard for them to watch apostolic people bulldoze people. They're impatient. They're authoritarian. They're too driven by the task, which makes the prophets crazy. You know? Let's do this and do this and let's do this. And whoa, whoa, whoa. The prophets are like, what, did God say that? Slow down, slow down. Well, no, 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 I know we need to do it. And this is, you know, this is a, like immature apostles that are just excited about being able to complete a task. And the prophets are like, hey, they're way off. And I'm, I'm going to another church. They're, 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 they're running amok. They don't even know the voice of God. They're avoiding the voice of God. And they're just worried about doing a new program, a new thing. You know, the, 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 um, or some of our slogans that we had in our church for a long time. Yeah, the stuff that, that we would say, like, it's the uh, rearview mirror church. It's the, it's the water church. It's the, that's, that's apostolic heart, the greenhouse. The, you know, that's like, let's go that way. But, but there's time when the prophets are like, wait a minute, slow down. What is God saying? What's God saying? So here's why I want to ask you. This is the last question. What kind of church would you see with a one-fold ministry of the apostolic gift? That means that either that whole church is apostolic or the person up front is apostolic and doesn't have any other person speaking into their life. What would an apostolic church with just a one-fold apostolic church look like? Lynette, you're giggling. What is it? Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, no relationship. Yeah, yeah. What else would a one-fold apostolic church look like? Yep. Dan, did you say something? Yeah, yeah, with a bunch of apostles. Yeah, maybe if you just had a bunch of apostles. Well, I'm going to do it. No, let's do it this way. No, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Bill? They could leave people behind. Yeah, Bill? Yeah. This way, this way, this way. Squirrel. Yeah, Andrean. 
They could be because if they have a really strong dynamic leader, they're going to have they're going to be doing a lot of stuff and it's going to look like they're really must be the place to be because a lot of stuff's getting done. Yeah, because they could be super trendy to find out. That's what Josh was saying. Find out what the new next thing is, and they're going to do it, so everybody's going to be attracted to it. And then it's all just going to be about going to church to be attractional. Lynn, did you say something? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Jody. Yes. Yeah, good it works, yes, because they're going to accomplish something. Here's a couple things I wrote down. I noticed nobody said anything positive. Thanks a lot. No, just kidding. Thank you. Um, as much as this is considered the foundation gift along with the prophet, what house would be good with just a foundation? These churches push forward and leave people behind trying ideas all the time. Trying all. And, and, and there is positive of it. They would be constantly like trying to, to grow the thing. You know, so there, there's positive. There's, there's positive things. But the point is we need all five. We need all five. The apostle is important, but alone would devastate and destroy a church or become something that really wasn't God's intention from the first place. Yeah, and God is on the move. I mean, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, but the Holy Spirit's constantly revealing something new. And so they are. They're staying. A spiritually-minded, mature apostle would be staying on the cusp and saying, God, what are you doing right now, and how do we follow you in creating those steps? So um, anybody have any questions? I know I'm giving you guys a lot of information, trying to give you examples so you can walk away from this. I'm kind of done with information. Anybody have a comment or a question? I'm just hungry. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, go Paige. Identifying what gifts you have, mm-hmm. how did you figure out what gifts that you had? Was it just more of reading definitions, or was there resources that you um, Okay, there are resources. That's a good question. I'm glad you asked me that, because there are resources. Like, you know, you can take a personality test, but I hate to take a test. Um, I don't really, I would ask you guys not to go looking for these tests. I would ask you to... Be here and listen and hear what it is that makes you come alive. When, when we were doing this back in Florida, our pastor's wife, who I've known since 1988, um, she came to me afterwards. She'd been a Christian that whole time. And she came to me and she said, oh my gosh, I never knew I was this. And once you said it, everything, it was like everything, 99% of what you said was me. And then it became a, a realization to her, a reality. I think you take some of these tests, one, um, you can start trying to put your own spin on it or what you think is a right answer or who, you know, who you are on a good day. And, and they're supposed to be tools, but I just think the best tool is to listen and have the Lord highlight that to you and people around you. You know, your mom knows you really well. As you begin to, we go through all of these, she's going to be like, oh, I totally see this in you. And the point isn't for us to have that one thing that we're good at. We have to be careful. You have to be careful. Yes, we're going to find out what we are, but it really, if you can think of the whole reason why you're finding out what you are is so that you know who you need is a way better way to look at it. Like, I want to find out who I am, not so that I can be, figure myself out and I can do all this stuff for the Lord, but if you can look at it as I'm going to find out who I am because that means I need to have these other four people around me in my life to help me in the body of Christ. We're just naturally, yeah, we naturally want to just talk about us. 
But the reality is we need other people, and when we find it out, that's a good question. So don't go looking for the test, please, if you can stand it. Yeah, your knee jerk. You're going to hear it when I say stuff. Did anybody in here feel like when I was saying all this stuff, you're like, oh, my gosh, yes, that's, that's me. Anybody here? Jody, I think that, okay. Adrian, okay. Bob, anybody else feel like a lot of that? At least half of that was me. Yeah. 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 Paul, I think so, too. I, I've gone back and forth thinking it's an evangelist, and then I'm like, oh, I don't know. Maybe it's an apostolic. He always has an idea. He always has an idea. Right. Right. There's a lot. You'll, you'll see, a, you'll have a major one, or maybe two, and then you'll have your other three. Because like I said, we're all, Jesus is in all of us, but there's ones that you're knee-jerk. I need to keep people around me that are evangelistic because it's my lowest one. I mean, that's what hopefully you find is which one you're lowest and to realize my perspective is important, but it's not the only thought, and I need other people in my life. And if a church would begin to function with all five of those, we're gonna, I'm going to have to be, I'm going to have to work out my evangelistic muscle a little bit. I'm going to have to do that. We're going to do that together. But there's going to be people I'm going to look to to tell us, okay, what are you seeing? Where is your heart? How can we follow you? And you're going to, help, you're going to train me on how to do this, and we're going to do it together. So we are all, all of them. We have to be all of them. But there's going to be some you're just naturally, you can't, you don't even know you're doing it and you're doing it. Jim, do you have one last thing? You know, it makes me think of people that have this gift that aren't saved. And just what a world-shaking thing it'd be is if you actually interceded for them to be saved. Yeah. I think of somebody like Steve Jobs. Yeah. You know, yeah. think of the impact that yes. guy had. Yes, he's one of the people I was going to mention. And him being saved. It also reminds me of places like IHOP with Mike Bickle. Mm -hmm. You know, he's got Bob Jones telling him all these crazy things. And then he ends up taking it and running yeah. with it. Mike's Carrying very apostolic. Out. Mike is very apostolic. Bill Gates is another one. It really helps you with interceding for those that aren't saved, family and friends, when you know the gift of calling that God's put on them. You can say, Lord, activate that call. Activate that thing. And it gives you patience for them. Yeah. You think they're just, if you're, especially if you're a shepherd, you're going to think, man, they're a jerk. But if you can start seeing that apostolic gift that's in them and that God would stir that up and call that out of them for the benefit of the kingdom. Yeah, totally on new ground. Like he really on, on broke up follow ground. Nope, yep. Just say the more we learn about this, this is showing the practicality of why we need each other in terms of everyone, like if you don't have this in the church, then no one actually knows why we all need to show up to church together. Yeah. And this is really showing in, in one aspect. Yeah. If I'm a shepherd, I really need someone that's prophetic around me to, to keep my feelings in line with truth. Yeah. Or vice versa. Right. So. Like it says, till we all come into the unity. You good? Okay. I'm praying. Yep, he could, he's probably, he's apostolic, I would think. I mean, just because he was a businessman and what he did that way, too, is totally, but any. Okay, you want to pray for us? We can let everybody go. Thanks. Father, we thank you that it's line upon line that you're building your house. And we thank you, Lord, that we are a part of that building. Lord, we pray blessings over every one of us, Lord. We thank you for your angels that are here to minister to us salvation. 
this week, Lord, dispatch them in our lives and with our families and friends that we're praying for, God. We thank you, Lord, that you want everyone saved. You're not willing that any should perish. So Lord, we pray that this gets in our hearts, that we understand unity and ministry together as the body of Christ.